tell you, you go back to the day that you got saved when your life was changed. It was the day that he touched you. And by the way, it was because he reached down. Amen. We could reach up all that we wanted and cry out to God all that we wanted. And if he had never reached down, and by the way, he didn't just reach down, he sent Jesus down. If he had never sent him down, it would have all been in vain. But thank God he was willing to do that. Amen. Uh, and if you're not thankful for that, you don't know yourself as well as God does, right? Uh, I know the guy that I look in the mirror and see every morning when I shave my face, and I don't understand why he loves me the way he does, but he does. And boy, I tell you, I hope today you're thankful for Jesus and what he's done for you, and I hope you're so thankful for it, you've shared it with somebody this week. I was so excited yesterday. We had, I had to go out of town yesterday for a little while and uh, wasn't at our soul winning yesterday. Brother Aaron texted me and he gave me the numbers of who win and how many win. And, uh, and then I began to get texts back from some of our members. Hey, I got to lead somebody to Christ today. And then I got another text from somebody. Hey, I got to lead somebody else to Christ today. And it's kind of getting catchy. Amen. Uh, look, there's a lot of things that can bring you happiness, but there's no joy like the joy of sharing Christ. Now, I can also say there's no fear like knocking on a door that you don't know who's on the other side. But boy, the fulfillment that comes from sharing what you've got is wonderful, isn't it? Boy, I tell you, we refer restaurants. Uh, I think some restaurants in Hattiesburg owe me commission. I really do. I'll mention Topher's, and I'll go to the restaurant after we have church, because I'll be thinking, well, that did sound good. I'm, I'm going to Topher's, and I'll show up at Topher's, and there's four or five of our families there, and they'll say, you mentioned it behind the pulpit, and, and now we wanted to go to Topher. I feel like they owe me a commission, at least a free hamburger every once in a while, and we tell people about restaurants and doctors and pills and vitamins. Why not share the greatest gift we've ever gotten, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what changed everything, and that's what we're praying for in 2024, that all of us would have an encounter with Christ, either in salvation or a reviving of our encounter with Christ when we got saved. Sure is good to see you here today. Hope you've been looking forward to church. Amen? God knew you were going to be here. God knew that I was going to be here. God's already given us what we need, and I pray that we'll receive that this morning. And uh, I had years ago, I, I was trying to decide if I should say this or not, and uh, it scares me, but I, I don't have my wife to lean over to and say, should I say this or not? But I'm going to go for it, and I might regret it, and usually I do. <clears throat> had a lady in our church, and I'd go over and visit with her. And she, she, just, she said, just don't come between 11 and 2. And I would say, why? She says, well, I stop everything between 11 and 2. And I'm thinking, boy, she's probably praying. Godly little lady, probably in her devotion time, walking with God. And I said, well, why not? Between 11 and 2, she said, that's when the stories come on. <laughs> I'm young, I'm ignorant, and have no interest in soap operas. So I didn't know that's what the stories were. No matter, and boy, just, just, I know you don't do that, all right? But there's people out there in the world, they watch that stuff, okay? And she says, between 11 and 2, I stop everything. Why? The stories are coming on. And she's going to watch when the world turns or her stomach turns or one of those, you know. Could I, could I encourage you to do something this morning? Between 11.33 and worst case scenario, 12.33. Can we just set everything aside for a few minutes? And not hear about a story, but the story straight from the Word of God this morning. Could we just say, look, I, I know, look, we've got folks grieving this morning, a loss of a dear loved one yesterday. 
We've got folks that are heartbroken over family members that are lost and maybe financial needs in their life and maybe you have trouble at work and have folks in the hospital, folks that are still sick, folks that are traveling. Can I just encourage you this morning, let's just set everything aside for a little while so that we can hear from God this morning because God knows what we need and I pray that it will be a blessing to you out of Matthew chapter number 8. Matthew chapter number 8 and while you're turning there, could I ask you a favor? Could I ask you to come back tonight? Uh, tonight's going to be a very special service. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, tonight, we're going to have several different uh, speakers. Uh, we won't go over time, I promise you. We won't go over time. Uh, but we've got a special surprise for you tonight. And, and we're going to conclude the service, Brother Dom Beck, world-renowned chalk artist, all right? Whether you've had an opportunity to meet him or not, he's a local celebrity right here at Central Baptist Church. Uh, Brother Dombeck is going to be presenting one of his chalk artist sermons. He's going to be preaching while he draws, okay? Uh, I can't even preach while I preach, and he's going to preach while he draws, okay? And uh, he's such a bold man, he's going to have his back to you the entire time. I'm not, that, I'm not that bold. I'm afraid to turn my back to you. Number one, you see my bald spot, but he's going to be drawing and preaching the entire service. If you've never seen a chalk sermon, I want to encourage you to be here tonight. If God gives you life, if God gives you breath, be here tonight. And uh, we're going to have a very special service. I'm looking forward to it, and, and you ought to be looking forward to it because I'm not preaching, right? Matthew chapter number 8, let's stand together. I'm going to look down to verse number 1. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 1, and we've been preaching through our theme of encountering Christ. And we're going to look at another encounter. I believe so far we've looked at Satan's encounter with Christ. We've looked at John's encounter with Christ. And now we're looking at a, a new encounter in Matthew chapter number 8, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, when he was come down from the mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer thee uh, the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now, verse 5, we're going to pick up and what we're going to look at today. And when, he was when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And Jesus heard it. He marveled and said to them that follow, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Let's stop there and pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being here today. I thank you for the honor of opening your word and getting to preach it. But Father, I thank you most of all for being able to hear from you today. And Lord, I need to hear from you even in the preaching. I pray each and every one of us would open our hearts, set aside everything for the next few minutes to hear from you. Father, don't let anything hinder us today. And Lord, if the hindrances pop up in our heart and our mind, help us to set them aside. And through your Holy Spirit, tune in to hear, Lord, what you have for us today. I pray that if someone's lost here today, that even right now, you're making their heart uncomfortable. That, Lord, they see their need for Jesus, and they'll have that encounter with Christ today. 
For those of us who are saved, Lord, I pray that you would revive and renew that encounter, take us back, restore that joy of the salvation that we experienced the day that we trusted Christ. Bless the message. I pray your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was reading a little bit about our country this week and reading some interesting statistics about our people That really surprised me. And look, that's saying a lot in 2023 that you read about something that surprises you, right? Our country, I'm telling you, there's not a whole lot that surprises us anymore. But there are some statistics I want to read for you today that really surprised me about the country we're living in today. And some of them are kind of comical. Uh, One in ten Americans believe they have seen a UFO. One in ten. Now, I've done the math this morning. Think about how many people in this room today. Now, don't raise your hand, okay? Because some people already think you're weird. And if you raise your hand, they're probably going to think you're even weirder or you're going to confirm the weirdness for them. But probably some in this room, you've seen a UFO, okay? Now, it doesn't mean you've seen little green men, but you've seen an unidentified flying object. I mean, Camp Shelby's right down the road. Things fly over and shake our house all the time. But I was startled to believe that one in ten believe they've seen a UFO. A 2021 United States intelligence report says over 60% of United States citizens believe that most likely there is alien life among us. Among us. I mean, not only do we believe they're out there, but some of you could beat them. Some of you, I'm kind of curious. In July of 2023, a House Oversight Subcommittee held a hearing on UFOs seeking additional funding for extraterrestrial research. Uh, If you saw on Fox News here at the uh, late part of last year, they were having hearings on extraterrestrial life and they want to send more money uh, because there are more sightings today. As a matter of fact, a January 2023 report saw an increase of over 400 additional reports of alien encounters in the United States alone. I mean, this is exciting, isn't it? This is happening in the United States of America. These, this is all going on around us, and I'm becoming to believe in alien encounters more and more because I see people being abducted all the time. Sunday morning, I look out, more people have been abducted. That's got to be what it is. November 2023, an announcement was made that the estate of the late Qualcomm founder, Franklin Antonio, donated $200 million of his estate to Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute, also known as SETI. We got in on the action back in 1973 in Mississippi. Everything was abuzz because of the Hicks and Parker abductions down in Pascagoula, Mississippi. I wasn't around, but how many of you remember that? The abductions down there in Pascagoula, evidently. Uh, that's a great place to go and be abducted uh, by aliens. Go fishing down there in Pascagoula. Now, here's what's amazing to me. All of this money, all of this interest, all of this attention, even from the United States Congress, And yet, we still do not have any real credible evidence, all right? I'm not talking about a footprint of an alien in your backyard. I'm talking about real credible evidence that aliens exist, okay? Nobody's got one. I know they're supposed to at Area 51, but we still don't have that evidence. But here's what's amazing. People still to this day giving hundreds of millions of dollars. You've got to love it, some of your tax dollars, Every time you write that check out, hey, you're trying to find the Martians that are out there. But here's what's amazing. 
In spite of all of that, we still do not have solid evidence that there has been a real alien encounter. But watch this. Those people are still undeterred. They've never had a real, credible, evidentiary uh, encounter with extraterrestrial life, and yet they are still undeterred. Those people are still going out there, and no offense to if you're one of them, no offense to them. I mean, go for it. I hope Bigfoot's real, all right? I hope there's still some things we haven't discovered in this world. I'm just not sure if it's the little green men yet, but here's the thing. People still go out on a daily basis looking for that. Spending millions and millions of dollars expecting to have some type of alien encounter. Now watch this. <clears throat> I'm not one of them, but they get ridiculed. But they're undeterred. They wear tinfoil hats and colanders on their head trying to detect the presence that are out there. And, and they're ridiculed for that and they're undeterred. It costs them financially and they are undeterred. They're seeking an encounter which, can I just give you my opinion, I'm afraid it's never going to happen. And yet they're undeterred. And yet, wait a minute, far too many of us as Christians, we have a real opportunity to have a genuine, personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not a dream. That is not an expedition, expedition that's going to lead in disappointment. That is an expedition that will lead uh, to fulfillment this morning. And yet, how excited do we get about that? I mean, we pick on those folks out of Area 51, and yet they believe in their encounter more than we believe in ours. They're not deterred by ridicule. They're unafraid to invest in what they believe in. Can I tell you the good news this morning is an encounter with Christ is possible. You can know him. You can meet him. You can know that, as the song says, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. You just know it. His presence is there. The Holy Spirit and that still small voice to guide us is there. The encounter with Christ, it's not an expedition that you're going to go on and come back empty-handed. You can know him. And you can know him better. But wait a minute. Think about this this morning. The question is, are we willing to put forth the effort to have that encounter? It is sad. I mean, it is sad that the UFO hunters believe in their expedition to encounter the little green men more than you and I do because you can tell by their effort. They make excursions out there to the desert of Area 51 and risk getting arrested to catch a glimpse of the little green man. Now, folks, let me tell you something this morning. The sad thing is they'll go through all of that trouble for their encounter, and yet how often are we reluctant to even open our Bible, come to church faithfully, or pass out a gospel track? Why? Because we believe the encounter with Christ is just that real. Think about it this morning. I want you to notice this centurion. I believe the centurion is going to give us a good pattern this morning to show us that an encounter with Christ is worth every effort that it takes to put into it. That's what we're going to preach on for a few minutes today, the effort to encounter Christ. Now listen to me. I'm not saying you've got to work for your salvation. Don't go home and tell anybody that at all. Jesus Christ paid it all. He did all the work on the cross at Calvary. But can I tell you, the effort that you have got to put forth to have a walk with him is worth the effort. It's worth, it's worth the encounter. And this centurion is going to show us that here in the next few minutes. Look down, if you will. Let's just jump right in. 
He comes to Jesus, the Bible says in verse number 18, and says, Lord, I am not worthy. Now, I'm not going to begin there. We'll finish there here in just a few minutes. But you can see the heart of this man and the care that he has for his friend, that he's willing to seek out Christ even though he knows he's not worthy. But what is he asking for? The Bible says in verse number 6, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. There was a need, and he knew that in order for him to have the need met, he was going to have to have an encounter with Christ. But I want you to notice even before that how he came to Christ. In verse 5, the Bible says, There came unto him a centurion centurion beseeching him. Now focus in on that last part of verse number 5. The Bible says he was beseeching him. That word beseech means he was desperate to seek out Christ and to have the encounter with Christ. Why? Because the need was desperate. Now, folks, I believe this morning the reason that we are not desperate about having an encounter with Christ and walking with Christ and and having that relationship with Christ is we haven't got desperate enough yet. I forget who the preacher was years ago. One of the preachers of old says, I'm afraid the times are desperate what we are not. We've not gotten to the place where having that encounter with Christ is that big of a deal. But notice the centurion, number one, this morning. I want you to notice the urgency of his encounter. The Bible says he was beseeching him. Now, I understand we live here in the South. I'm thankful to live in the South. You know, as a kid, I didn't think a whole lot about where we live because we didn't have the Rocky Mountains. We didn't even have the Smoky Mountains. We don't have waterfalls. We don't have clear streams. I mean, we have pine trees and muddy rivers, right? Not a whole lot to brag about or write home about. But the more I travel our country and get to be in different places, I believe here in the South, we have a hidden gem. Amen? I'm thankful for it. Just kind of one of the last strongholds of traditional America. I'm thankful for that about our our area that we live in. But one thing we do have a problem with here in the South is we are very relaxed. Sometimes too relaxed. Those of you who drive slow in the fast lane, you're too relaxed, okay? Okay? What I hate most is driving in the fast lane. Somebody's in front of me going slow. Somebody's in the slow lane going slow, and I can't fault them because they're doing right, but now I'm boxed boxed in. My eye begins to twitch. Because usually I'm on my way somewhere. I have to be somewhere. I have someone to see, something to do, and I don't always get it done, and I need to get on down the road. But, man, we're in the south. Everybody's relaxed. The chihuahua's hanging out the window just enjoying the ride. Would you please get over? I'm just going to ask you, would you please get over? Save me a little bit of my sanity. We just live in this relaxed atmosphere, but here's what I believe. That relaxed atmosphere has entered the heart of the church where there's no longer an urgency for the church to have an encounter with Christ. I dare say this morning, and I'm not faulting anybody here, but I dare say that many of us came here without any expectation of being changed. That we came here today and we wanted to worship God and we're going to enjoy the fellowship and the wonderful singing, but we had no expectation of change. We were going to leave just as stoic and in a sense of without urgency as we came here with. And yet we'll sit at home and we'll watch Fox News and wonder why our country is in the shape that we're in. We come just as we are, but we change as we want. We do not change until that sense of urgency where there's a cancer diagnosis or a crisis in our marriage or a crisis with our children. Then we have the urgency to encounter Christ. But listen to me. You don't have to wait till things are bad to seek out that close walk with God. Notice this man was not seeking out for himself. He was seeking out for those that he would influence, for someone else. 
I think about the Laodicean church. The Bible says the testimony of the legacy in church. The Bible says they're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And I believe nothing means nothing. Even Jesus. I believe the church has gotten to a place where our mechanics are so as they are. Our orders of service are printed out. We know what we're going to do. But hey, do we ever make time and take time to give the Holy Spirit room for him to do his job? We're going to go today and we're going to sing song, Faith is the Victory. I love that one. Love lifted me. And then the preacher comes up and welcomes. Then we're going to sing, I will arise. But here's my question. Do we ever come with an urgency wanting an encounter with Christ? That yes, I'm going to sing. Yes, I'm going to fellowship. Yes, I'm going to see my friends. But most importantly, the most important thing you could do today is have an encounter with Christ. Is there an urgency for that? I don't believe there is. That's why our country is in the shape that we're in. If you really want to get to know yourself, and boy, I want to tell you, this hit home with me. If you want to get to know yourself, examine your life, and find what things you attach a sense of urgency to. Examine your life, all right? I'm not going to examine your life. I'm not your priest. Thank God for that. Thank the Lord we don't have confession, right? I don't want to know. Facebook tells me enough. That's why I took it off my phone. Listen to me. What things in your life do you put in urgency to, a sense of urgency to? Well, man, the economy and all this, I've got to make sure that i got that retirement stacked up so that, you know, I'm not living on beanie weenies the rest of my, my days till Jesus comes. We have a sense of urgency for that. We have a sense of urgency for our physical possessions and our earthly kingdoms and our personal desires. But do we ever have a sense of urgency for an encounter with Christ so much so that we do what he did in verse 5? The Bible says he was beseeching him, beseeching him. It's amazing to me that most of the things that burden us in the church have very little eternal value. Things that we get fired up about, things that we're burdened about, things that we're bothered about. Can I ask you something? When was the last time you were bothered that the person you talked to at Dollar General or the person you work next to or sit next to at your job spends eternity in heaven or hell? When was the last time that made you mad? When was the last time that it bothered you so much that you didn't knock on a door this week that you were so bothered by it you got out of your pajamas at 6 p.m. and you put your clothes back on and you walked down the street and you invited somebody to church? Why? Because eternity ought to have a sense of urgency about it. And yet in the church today, we have a sense of urgency about so many things that are not going to matter in the whole grand scheme of eternity. And our, our life tell, testifies to that. The other night, Brother Mark and Ms. Terry took us out to eat, and we were in a restaurant. Les and I were sitting here, and across the room was the restrooms there, and we had uh, a visual toward the door of the ladies' room. While we're sitting there, my wife began to chuckle, and I said, what is it? She says, look at the little girl. There was a little girl, and she made her way over to the ladies' room door, and she jiggled the knob, but it was locked. And she just kept jiggling it. And then she decided she was going to knock on it. And I, without being rude, uh, the little girl, her mannerisms were saying that what business she was about had a sense of urgency. She would come back, she'd jiggle the handle, she'd come back, walking around, she's walking around, jiggle the handle, knock on the door, and she was not letting up. Why? Because the business that she was about had a sense of urgency about that. Do you know? If we just watch ourselves long enough, we watch our movements long enough, 
we'll find what has a sense of urgency. You're going to see it. It's going to show up. Things that you have to do, things that are on the schedule that cannot be changed, things that are not optional. Think about that uh, this morning. I can't help but think about the Apostle Paul. When I read through the life of Paul after he got saved, uh, one of the titles that I believe you could put on his headstone was a man on the move. Paul was a man on the move. He never seemed to stop. He was always running from something or to something. Paul was a man on the move. But wait a minute. Paul was motivated by something. What was it so that he could be chief apostle number one and sit at the right hand of God? No. Here's what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. There was an urgency to the will of God for his life. Now listen, God's will for Paul's life may not be God's will for your life, but God does have a will for your life. And the question is, are you approaching the will of God with a sense of urgency that, hey, I've got to have an encounter with Christ. My children need me as a dad to have an encounter with Christ. Listen, your children need you as a mom to have an encounter with Christ. Your spouse needs you as a husband or as a wife to have an encounter with Christ. And you ought to be urgent about it. Why? Jesus is coming back real soon. You're going to miss the opportunity to have that encounter with Christ. Years ago, I told a story teaching a Bible club. One of the stories we love to teach uh, back to our Bible clubs was Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was on a Chinese boat. They're called junk. That's really the name of the boat. Some of you are like, well, I have a Chinese boat because your boat is junk too, okay? But no, that's the name of the boat there in China. And as Hudson Taylor was going from Shanghai to, I forget what the city was, there was a man on the boat by the name of Peter. Peter was one of the young men that he had been trying to lead to Christ. And yet Peter was yet to be saved. He had yet to trust Christ. As they're going down the way, they hit a wave, and Peter was washed overboard of the little boat that was there. And Hudson goes over to the edge of the water. He can't find Peter. And there are some fishermen that are surrounding them that have large fishing nets, kind of like a drag net. And he begins to beg them to drop their net in the water so they could probably rescue him before he drowns. The story goes that the gentleman in the ship who had the large net began negotiating with Hudson Taylor. How much will you pay us? He says, well, this is all I have. They said, that's not enough. And he began to beg them, saying, when we get to shore, I'll get more money if you just throw your nets. And finally, after all the negotiations, they threw their net in the water but pulled out the lifeless body of Peter. He died while those men are negotiating on the cost to get involved. Can I ask you this this morning? What is going by the wayside of eternity while we're negotiating with God on what it's going to cost us? Why, I just can't have an encounter with Christ right now because my hobbies may have to get set by the side. My desire may have to get set by the side. My will, my preferences may have to get set by the side. And we're negotiating with God. Meanwhile, America's dying and going to hell and we have the audacity to complain about it. When we're negotiating with God, God, I'll get involved, but Lord, you're going to have to sweeten the deal a little bit. Can I tell you, he's already sweetened the deal, as as sweet as it will ever get, and he's sweetened it through the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's got to be some urgency on our part. What does the example of Christ show us? Well, the example of Christ says he must needs go through Samaria. Urgency, he must. Do you ever think about what you must do? I bet a lot of you are already thinking, I must have lunch soon. It's 11.57, and we're on point number one, all right? Give me a few minutes. I told you, maybe 12.33. 
I read a story once, Billy Graham's biography on, it was entitled Just As I Am. And I read the story about how Billy Graham met up with John F. Kennedy not long after his inauguration, and they're riding back together to the Kennedy compound. And John F. Kennedy, who was a Catholic, began to speak to Billy Graham about the second coming of Christ and what it was all about. He says, my church doesn't preach this like your church preaches this. Can you tell me a little bit about it? And so Billy Graham began to walk through, I am certain, eloquently about the second coming of Christ and who Christ is coming back to get. After a while, John F. Kennedy began to be under conviction, and the story goes, if you read his biography, it's in there, that John F. Kennedy looked at Billy Graham and says, can we continue this conversation later? I'm very burdened about this. Billy Graham says, of course we will. So sometime, I forget how long it was later, they're at the National Prayer Breakfast together, and Kennedy walks up to Billy Graham and he says, hey, I'd like to continue that conversation today. Billy Graham had come down with the flu, was not feeling well. He says, Mr. President, I don't want to ride with you in the car because I don't want to give you the flu. I mean, you'd hate to be the guy that got the president sick, you know. That's not good. Secret Service will probably get you for that. He says, Mr. President, can we do this another time? Of course, the president was very consoling for how he felt. And Billy Graham laments in his biography that he would never have that opportunity again. He would never have it again. Now, obviously, I'm not running down Billy Graham by any means whatsoever, but in his own testimony, he says, I wish I'd have had more of a sense of urgency. More sense of urgency. Folks, there's people right now that need you to have a sense of urgency. Can I tell you why? Real quickly, and I'll give you number two. If you look down at verse six, I'll show you why you should have urgency. There's people, maybe even you, that are grievously tormented. You say, well, palsy is just a horrible disease. No sin is worse. You ought to have some urgency about this encounter with Christ. Why? Because there are people that are grievously tormented. Where was we at, Les? Um, we went down, we went up 49. We turned left there by shenanigans, the bar that's there. And we're getting ready to turn right to go to Sweet Peppers. That's where we were going the other day. And right there on the corner was a gentleman laying on the edge of the road, his feet sticking out to the white line on the road, and he's just sitting there, you can tell, convulsing from drugs. You're thinking, well, drugs are horrible. Can I tell you what's at the root of drugs? It's the same problem you and I have. It's called sin. All right? Don't look at a dope addict or a drug addict and think, man, that just low down. No, 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 look. They're a sinner just like you and I are. And had it not been for the Lord Jesus Christ, as we sang about a moment ago, that love lifted us, you'd be right there with them. All right? Only by the grace of God, as Paul says, are we what we are today. And yet there's no urgency for us to pay the favor forward. Why? Because our life is just too busy. We've got too much going on to notice those that are grievously tormented. Can I tell you why else you ought to be urgent this morning? Look at verse 7. Jesus saith unto them, I will come and heal him. The reason this morning you ought to have some urgency is because the need is great and the Father's willing. The need is great and the Father's willing. My dad's sitting right back there in the back. and uh, I, I, Mom would usually say yes. Dad would usually say no. You know how that works? All right? You, you have good cop, bad cop. You know, and parents, y'all know how that works, okay? And uh, so if I wanted to do something, I knew Dad would probably say no. I'd go ask Mom, you know? And uh, mom would say, well, go to ask your dad. I'm like, no, that's, that's not the point of me coming to you. I'm coming to you, so I don't have to go talk to dad. And I don't want to go spend a night with somebody on a Wednesday night. And dad says, no, you're not missing church to go spend a night with somebody. Weird, I know. But boy, I tell you, once while I go to dad and say, dad, hey, can I, can I go stay with so-and-so? They're going on a fishing trip. And dad says, yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all. 
Man, it just encouraged my heart. Why? Because my dad was willing. Dad says, hey, I think that's a good thing. Can I tell you this morning, even better than that, is the fact that our father's willing. Our father is so willing to help those that are grievously tormented. Our problem is we are not very motivated. Paul Harvey put it this way. And boy, I miss Paul Harvey, don't you? Seems like a better America when Paul Harvey was here. Too many Christians are no longer fishers of men, but keepers of the aquarium. Like, man, was he a preacher? We're no longer fishers of men. We're keepers of the aquarium. We just manage what we've already had rather than grow the flock of God. And the problem is we don't have any urgency this morning. But notice the Bible says in verse 5, he was beseeching him. But then watch this. There's something else I'm going to give you number two. And point number three is always the shortest, so there's hope, okay? If you look down, the Bible says, verse 5, he was beseeching him. There was some urgency about this encounter. We ought to have some urgency too. But notice, if you will, what he says in verse 6. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Now, don't overlook something very, very important, and that's what he called Christ. You've got to see this, okay? Watch what he called Christ. And saying, verse 6, Lord. Lord, my servant lieth at home sick. Now, not only do we see the urgency of this encounter, number two, I want you to notice the understanding of his encounter. When he approached Christ to have this encounter on behalf of his servant, he understood something that you and I don't understand often. What was it? It's the fact that we are seeking an encounter with the Lord. Now, don't miss this, okay? Don't miss this. The centurion knew who he was talking to. He didn't seek out the help of a famous preacher or of a religious man. He was seeking out the help, capital L, of the Lord. And he knew that the one he was coming to was the one who had sovereign power over it all. That's vital this morning. You say, why? Well, I'm afraid we've created a mindset this morning in the church. Not just the Baptist church. I think Christians all over this country, we have created this false narrative that we can have some type of an encounter with Christ without having an encounter with the Lord. Stick with me. We, we love who Christ is, and boy, I'm thankful on Wednesday nights, you ought to be here on Wednesday nights, we're walking through the character of Christ, and we're looking at the character of who he is. Last week, we looked at the character of his compassion, and I'm thankful, watch, that Jesus is our Savior. Thankful for that. He is our Redeemer. He is the door. He is the bread of life. I'm thankful for all of that. But wait a minute. I think the angel said it best in Luke 2. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ. Keep going. Keep going. We're really good at reading half the verse. All things work together for good, brother. Keep reading. There's a whole lot more to it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ, what? The Lord. I believe this morning the reason that many of us are missing out on our encounter with Christ is we're not ready to call him Lord yet. Lord, my servant, lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Years ago, I meant to ask my dad this before service. He, he, he could give me the details on the story. If I'm not mistaken, dad did the wedding. But if you didn't do the wedding, you were there. And it was a man, a good friend of our family, uh, a, fr uh, a friend of our family's relative, and my dad did the wedding for him and got married and came home. And when he came home, true story, he told his new bride, all right, I'll see you next weekend. 
And she said, excuse me? He says, well, you know, you're going to go back and live with your parents. I'll go back and live with my parents, and, and we'll meet up on the weekend. True story. He had this idea in his head that he was going to have a weekend wife. And I, I can't recall the guy's name or how the story turned out, but I think I know how it turned out. I don't know that she was up for those conditions that he was putting on their relationship. I got thinking myself, I need to write that down for better or worse for weekday or weekend. We're going to have to put that in the vows from now on because people don't know. You know, that's not how the relationship is supposed to work. Can I tell you that our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, he names the terms. He names the terms. Yes, he is our Savior, but wait a minute. He is also our Lord, and the Lordship of Christ is inseparable from the character of Christ. You can't say, man, I, I'm just so glad he's my Savior. I'm thankful he's my Savior too, but that's not all that he is. Don't decide who Jesus is going to be to you. That's the problem we have in our country today. Watch, we want Christ to be the Savior of all, but only Lord of what we choose. Lord, I want you to save me out of my problems, but we don't want him to be Lord over our priorities. Lord, every problem I have, every hangnail that I have, every problem with my spouse that I have, Lord, you be Lord, sovereign God over all of my problems, but keep your hands off my priorities. No, I, I think it goes well. Was it Vance Havner, I think? If Christ is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. He is not Lord of all. He is not Lord at all. I've mentioned to you before, I, I like watching Andy Griffith. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen the same episodes. I love watching Andy Griffith. It's a clean show, and uh, it's funny. It really is funny. You ought to get your kids hooked on Andy Griffith, okay? I promise you, it'll be do better for them than some of the stuff they're watching now. And one of the episodes is Opie and the Spoiled Kid. How many of you have seen it? Oh. Birds of a feather. The spoiled kid comes in and riding his new bicycle. It's like a, a Continental, the International Continental, I think it was the bike was called. And Opie comes in and he's doing his chores and he doesn't have time to go ride with the kid or something along that line because he has to earn his allowance. And he says, how much allowance are you getting? He goes, a nickel. Our kids today are like, you can't buy anything with a nickel. I don't know that you can either, to be honest with you. Put all your nickels together and maybe get a bag of chips or something. And the kid says, that's all you get? A nickel? That's not right. Don't you love those kids who re-educate your kids? He says, parents are supposed to, you know, and he says, pay this much and this much, and my dad gives me this and my dad gives me that. And I love what Opie tells him. He said, my dad doesn't know about all those rules. <laughs> He said something on the line of, that's not the way it works at our house. Parents are supposed to listen to kids. And look, listen to you kids, all right? Sometimes they have some wonderful things to say. And they're supposed to do what the kids want, and they're not supposed to make you do chores. And if you do chores, you have to pay all of that. And Opie says, uh, my dad doesn't know all of those rules, and that's not the way he works. And can I tell you this morning that our father operates off the rules of our father, not off the rules that we make for him. And if Christ is our Savior, Christ is also our Lord. And maybe this morning the reason you're afraid of an encounter with Christ, and there is no urgency, because you don't want him to be Lord. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, we want God to be God of our happiness, but not Lord of our holiness. 
I know that's a bad word and we don't get a lot of amens on that one, but it's still in the book, so I've got to preach it, right? I want you to be the savior of my happiness. God, I'm just not happy. God, I'm having a bad day. Will you just fix it all? But he says, Lord, stay out of that holiness thing. I, I don't want you to mess with that. Lord means Lord. If you look it up, it means this. He to whom a person or a thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding, master and Lord. You see, understand, as you seek an encounter with Christ, you're seeking an encounter with the Lord. And when you guys encounter each other, it's like, like two trains coming down the same track. You're meeting up with the Lord. And he's not moving. He's going to be Lord. He's going to be Lord. And Lord means over all or nothing at all. Ever wonder what you're missing out on this morning because you won't make Jesus your Lord? Our problem is we are just like our ancestors, if you will, the children of Israel. They wanted to craft their own God. Moses is up there on the mountain doing the best he can up there with God, and they're down here, and they make this golden calf, and they're going to worship the way they want. They're going to worship what they want. They're just going to make their own God. And you're thinking, man, how foolish could you be? We're no different. We just don't have the gold gods. We have our God and what we think of God. I saw a shirt, and I think it's ultimately disrespectful. This guy was walking through an airport at Memphis, Tennessee, and his shirt says, Jesus is my homeboy. No, he's not. You may think of him that way, and you may have a picture in your mind of what Jesus ought to be and have a picture in your heart of what he ought to do, but he is what he says he is and always will be. And if you're going to encounter him, you're going to encounter him as the centurion did. Lord. My servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. This morning, I believe what's holding us up this, today from having an encounter with Christ, it's us. It's not God. When I was in eighth grade, mom and dad will remember this well. My sister will remember it well, too. Our dog cornered a skunk in our carport. I forget which dog it was, but, man, it was a brave dog facing off a skunk. <laughs> And the skunk's tail's up. And that skunk, I declare, I mean, he had a 50-gallon tank. He sprayed the wall of our carport. And we're thinking, well, we're inside. We're going to be safe. That stuff began to permeate our wall. You remember that? We went out and jumped on the trampoline. The house began to smell like a skunk so bad. No joke. We're out there jumping on the trampoline with a bar of Irish Spring soap under our nose. It stunk so bad. It's horrible. If you've never smelled a skunk up close, it's different on the highway. When they spray your house, it's putrid. It came through the brick of our house. It was in our house. You could not get it out. But the next morning was school. Mom and dad believe in education. We got up to go to school. Miss Humphrey's class, eighth grade. I think it was civics. Sitting there in class, somebody goes... I smell a skunk. <laughs> Do you know what I did? This was so wrong. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I didn't want them to think it was me. Come on, you got to sin nature. You've done the same thing. You probably would have blamed me. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I smell that too. Acting like I wasn't the one who stunk. Boy, you remember that? Ask my sister. She's honest. She'll tell you this is a true story. I don't know how many days it took for that skunk smell to get out. And here I am sitting there acting like, yeah, probably him. 
Watch, we sit in this church. We sit in this country. Something stinks. Yeah, it sure does. And it's us. It ain't the Lord. Problem is, it's us. We're stinking up the place because we won't let him be Lord. And we won't admit to it. No, I'm going to have my way and do my thing. And you know what, God? I, an encounter with you means I've got to give up a Saturday a month to go soul winning. I'm so thankful for our people. Every Saturday in 2024, a big old group of folks goes out from Central Baptist Church, knocking on doors, winning people to Christ. Folks saved and baptized every week in 2024. How exciting is that? But you know, that costs the people that go. You say, you've got to pay to go? No, you've got to pay in your time, your effort. Well, I'm just not willing to do that. Well, the problem is you're not willing to let the Lord be the Lord and be Lord over your time and Lord over your hobbies. Number two, notice the understanding. He understood who he was talking to. He was having an encounter with the Lord. He was all right with that. You ought to be all right with it too. Then watch this. Jesus says, verse 7, I'll come and heal him. Centurion says, I'm not worthy of that. He said, you just say the word. I love that. Just say the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And watch what Jesus said. He said in verse 10, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. But you notice the last ingredient, and we're going to be done this morning. The last effort the centurion made was probably the most, no doubt, the most important effort. If we're going to have an encounter with Christ, we have to be willing to do what he was willing to do. And Jesus pointed it out in verse number 10. Jesus says he just had faith. The most vital step, number three this morning in the efforts of encountering Christ is notice the undertaking of his encounter. What did he have to do? Well, he had to have faith. He just had to have faith. That, hey, I believe you can do what you said you would do. He just had to have faith. You, you look all throughout Scripture, the woman at the well, Zacchaeus, Paul, at the great change that encounters with Christ brought about, do you know the only thing that they could bring to the table? faith for by grace are you saved through faith at some point you've got to decide do I believe what I need in my life an encounter with Christ at some point no it's amazing we'll knock on doors invite people to church and get them so close and they think about getting saved but no I'm just not ready yet they're not ready to have that encounter with Christ but when they are is when they're ready to have faith in what Christ did for them you see, we're not ready for an encounter with Christ until we're ready to have faith. Hebrews eleven six. 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. You can't. Well, I want to have an encounter with Christ, but I don't want to have faith. Wouldn't it be great if you could do that? Wouldn't it be great if you could have faith in an encounter with Christ and it not cost you anything? I'd be, it'd be great if you could go into ministry and not have to surrender to it. I just want to go into ministry as a career. Are you nuts? You better be called into it. I just want to tell you that. If you, if you ain't called into it, I promise you'll be called out of it, for sure. Would it be great if we were able to do the will of God and it never cost us anything? But wait a minute, why did Jesus have to do the will of his Father and you and I get off the hook scot-free? No, at some point we've got to do what? We've got to do what he did. We've got to have faith. I wonder this morning, is the reason you have yet to have an encounter with Christ, either in salvation or in personal revival, that renewing of that relationship with Christ like you had when you got saved. I wonder if you're just not willing to put forth the effort. What are the efforts? Well, it's simple. 
Are you willing to have some urgency about it? I need that more than anything. Look, I know you're probably hungry. It's 1217. I'm going to have you out of here before 1233. And you think, well, what I need right now is some fried chicken. I don't know if anybody ever needs fried chicken. We want it, all right? But I go to a lot of hospital visits of people who don't need any more fried chicken either, okay? So that ain't what you need. You say, well, what I need is, no, no, no. What we need is an encounter with Christ. Be amazed, it'll change everything. It'll change everything. Can I ask you this? Is there a sense of urgency about that or is there just a sense of urgency to leave? Can I ask you, are you willing to accept what the centurion understood? That he's Lord. He's Lord. He's got to be Lord. Lord of all or not at all. And then maybe, maybe this morning what's holding you up is just trusting God. You know what an encounter is going to bring. You're like, can I trust him? Can I just go ahead and tell you, yes, you can. For once, the American government got it right. Just read a dollar bill. In God, we trust. You can trust him. But you've got to be willing to bring the faith to the table. I read a story about Ty Cobb. Didn't get to watch Ty Cobb play, but read a lot about him. Over 4,191 hits in his career, one of the greatest baseball players that ever lived. On June 17th, he was on his deathbed getting ready to leave this life. A preacher came to visit him and witnessed to him about where he was about to go, heaven or hell. On that June 17th day, I forget what year it was, Ty Cobb bowed his head and trusted Christ as his personal Lord and Savior and finally had the encounter with Christ he needed in just in the nick of time. Ty Cobb told the preacher, he says, would you go tell my children that at the bottom of the ninth inning, I got in but I wish I'd have got in there at the top of the first. I wish I'd have got in there at the top of the first. Can I ask you, what are you delaying an encounter in Christ for? What are you delaying it for? I promise you, one day you'll look back on the time, the opportunity that God give us all, and you'll wish that you'd had every encounter and every opportunity that he gave you. Why don't you have a sense of urgency today? I've got to get close to Christ. The time doesn't matter. Whatever I got to do today doesn't matter. The Super Bowl doesn't matter. I've got to have an encounter with Christ. My family needs me to have an encounter with Christ. What's the urgency this morning? Is there an urgency? I pray you, you don't wait too late today. Let's stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Could it be this morning, the effort is deciding he's Lord and he's going to be the Lord of your life. Maybe this morning the effort that you need to make is just to trust him. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what you said do. And Father, I'm going to trust you to do what you said you would do. Can I ask you a quick question? No one looking around. No noise. Let's keep our movements to a minimal this morning. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, and he has stirred your heart that heaven is not yet your home, you say, I'm not sure that if I died right now, I'm going to heaven, but I want to know. I want to have an encounter with Christ. Would you just lift your hand right up? I can see it. All I want to do is pray for you. I need to have an encounter with Christ. I need to trust Christ as my Savior today. You say, I know Christ is my Savior, but it's been a while. I have drifted far from him, or I'm not as close to him as I need to be. Would you pray that God would give me some urgency? Would you pray that God would have me, help me to have faith to have a regular encounter with him? You say, would you just pray for me that I'd be the Christian that he's calling me to be? Just lift your hand right up and put it right back down. Mine's up, hands up all over the house. 
Our Father, I thank you today for the centurion.